Good morning. It is a pure joy to be here this morning. I was scheduled actually to preach at Grace EPC Church in Leesburg, Florida this morning, but last Saturday when Tim called me, he asked, could you get away and uh, fill in next Sunday? I said, yes. No hesitation. I knew that uh, one of my associates could fill in down there. Um, And then Tim told me the situation with Beth, and I said, anything that I could do for this church, I would do and beat. Um, I love you all so very much. I've said it before, I'll say it again, that the year that I was here as the interim was the best year of ministry that I ever experienced, uh, mostly because of the wonderful people that uh, I got to know in this congregation. I did go over to Tim's office before this service, um, put my suit coat over there, and looked in to see if my major contribution to the church still exists, and it does. I put in a uh, vinyl floor in the bathroom in the (laughs) pastor's office, and it's still there, so I'm excited about that. Um, I came here last year during stewardship time to preach. Uh, So the Lord must think I have something to say to you all in terms of stewardship, and I'm going to give it my best shot. Our scripture reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, uh, the second chapter, beginning with verse 3. Listen, for this is the word of God for us this morning. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been improved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the words of men, but as what it is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. This is the word of the Lord. I used to teach homiletics, preaching at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. You've heard the old expression, those that can't do, teach. One of the things that I taught my students was that every sermon, in fact, every passage of Scripture should have a big idea. 
And I believe the big idea in this passage is very simply this, that God calls us to respond to the gospel with our entire lives. Paul makes it a point to tell the church in Thessalonica and us that the good news of Jesus is the very truth of God. It should never include error or impure motives on the part of the one sharing the message. I think that is really good news for us today because we live in a culture that is saturated with falsehood, with erroneous messages that deceive and hurt. And even in the church, many of those preaching do not tell the very truth of God. Just watch religious TV. In fact, don't do that. I'm discouraging that. Many of the preachers are more interested in the collection than they are in conviction, more about greed than the gospel. Those of us who embrace the Reformed tradition know that the gospel is not a man-made message, but instead the very truth of God that profoundly transformed the world. The Reformers identified the five solas. It is from the scriptures alone. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone that we receive the good news. You're familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, and 10, 8 through 10, which some have said is the gospel in the night, nutshell. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That last verse, Ephesians 2.10, leads us into the second part of Paul's message to the church. When we embrace the gospel, the good news that transformed our lives, God calls us to respond to that message with our entire lives. He uses two beautiful analogies in this passage to describe what he and his team tried to do in Thessalonica. He said that they were like a nursing mother taking care of her children in verse 7, and then in verse 11 and 12, we were like a father with his children. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. There are the two major ministries of the church, nurture, in which we raise children and we reach out in the name of Christ to bring people into the life-changing experience with Christ. Nurture and then exhortation to grow. A gospel-loving church nurtures its members and provides the means for growth. And the gospel-loving church urges its members to live out their faith by walking in Christ seven days a week. Friends, I am profoundly grateful that First Presbyterian Church of Thomasville is just that kind of church. From preschoolers through seniors, those who come 
are nurtured and encouraged to live out the faith. So a good question to ask of this sermon, since it happens during stewardship time, is what does this passage from Thessalonians have to do with stewardship? Paul doesn't even mention money directly. Well, obviously, I think it has everything to do with stewardship. And I want to focus on the statement that Paul makes in verse 8. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Christianity is not just a series of propositional truths about Jesus. It is that, but it's more. It's about relationships. Relationships with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that pour out in relationships with others, our fellow Christians, and the world. Paul is often seen by some as this austere theologian who sat in prison and dictated these amazing statements of theological truth. But the fact is that Paul was a loving pastor. When he heard that the church in Corinth was going through difficulties, he couldn't even sleep. He prayed through the night for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And when Paul left Ephesus, the church that, where he spent the most time, this is what the book of Acts says concerning his last meeting with the elders of that church in Acts 20, 25 to 28. Paul concludes his ministry to them with these words. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Interestingly, those words are not found in the Gospels. Paul heard this through oral tradition. Luke then paints a picture of how the church felt about Paul. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. The two true pastor <clears throat> doesn't just preach the word of God. He loves the people of God with his whole heart. And it is impossible to love without giving. Think about it. Think about someone that you love or someone who loves you and how you have desired to give to one another. Words of affirmation, physical gifts. This is the time, a season of giving. You give the best advice that you can possibly share. One southern wit said that love is spelled T-I-M-E. We spend time with the people that we care about. The best Christmas present I ever received was when I was a teenager. My sister, who was six years older, was getting ready to go to college, and she had no money. She was saving every penny she could for her college experience. And so on that Christmas, she typed out three-by-five index cards and gave them to the family. Some of the ones I got was, I will give you a 30-minute back rub anytime you want. 
I will type a term paper for you. I will wash and dry the dishes when it's your turn. This was back in the prehistoric times when we didn't have a dishwasher other than the kids. The reason that that gift was so special was that my sister gave herself. Isn't that exactly what God did for you and me? He could have sent the Sermon on the Mount on tablets, like the Ten Commandments. He could have had a huge broadcast of the gospel. But instead, he came as a person. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. He gave all that he had for you and me. And he calls us to do the same thing to God and to others. One of the great challenges of the New Testament is Paul's words in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. For this is your spiritual worship. The sacrifices of the Old Testament, as you know, were dead animals, and that signified their death, atoning for sins. Those sacrifices were fulfilled when Christ died on the cross for you and me. The sacrifice God is calling for in the New Testament is our living bodies. You know, Christianity is unique in that respect. The Greeks viewed the body as the prison of the soul. It was evil. Eastern religion has much the same view. Salvation is the escape from the body. But we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Paul tells us that our bodies are the very temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no more characteristically Christian demand than present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. All that I am, all that I have. The last two words of that verse that are translated in the ESV, spiritual worship, are really interesting. They're Greek words, logikain latreia. Logikain is the Greek word from which we get the word logical. It is logical for God to command us to present our bodies to him. Martin Luther said the first duty of redeemed sinners is to give their bodies to God. It's logical. But the second word is really fascinating. Latreia was initially given the meaning of work for pay. It then was generalized to describe someone's vocation. A dentist, a real estate agent, <clears throat> um, a teacher, that was their latreia, their vocation. The Christians took that word and adopted it to this, our worship service. They were making the statement that our vocation is to worship God. It's the Greek word from which we get the word liturgy. Scripture is calling us to present 
all that we have, all that we are, as an act of worship to God. Stewardship begins by acknowledging that everything we have comes from God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I quoted this last year, and I'm sure all of you remember it, but I will quote it once again. One of my heroes of the faith is a man named R.G. Letourneau, who was a very successful businessman. Letourneau made this famous statement. He said, I don't ask God, how much of my money should I give to you, Lord? I ask God, Lord, how much of your money shall I keep? Letourneau gave over 90% of his wealth to Christian ministries. I want to challenge you this morning to ask that same question that R.G. Letourneau asked of the Lord. Lord, how much of your money shall I keep? If you answer that question, you'll, I think, know exactly what God wants you to contribute to the ministry and mission of First Presbyterian Church, Thomasville, in 2021. But note as well that stewardship doesn't end with money. If you're truly giving your body to the Lord, He also wants your time and your talent as well as your treasure. In addition to Letourneau's question, ask this one. Jesus, what gifts and talents have you given to me? And how shall I use them to glorify you and to grow your kingdom? If you ask those two questions and listen for God's answer, you won't go wrong. One of the greatest joys in my life has been that I've had the opportunity to share with First Presbyterian Church of Thomasville not only the gospel of God, but my own self, because you have become very dear to me. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you gave us your all. You were poured out upon the cross for our sin. You rose from the dead for our salvation, that we might have new life, life abundant and life eternal. Lord, we thank you that part of that abundant life involves being good stewards. A steward manages goods for someone else. They don't belong to the steward, they belong to the master. And Lord, we confess this morning that everything we have, everything we are, including our bodies, belong to you. We ask that you would show us by your spirit what you would have us give back to your church. We ask it in your strong and blessed name and let the people of God say, amen.